Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to a super mini, oh god the news made me do it, partly political broadcast podcast, the comedy politics podcast that won't be affected by another lockdown as it's never gone anywhere in the first place. I'm Tin and Dewey Eben in the words of Dante Hicks, I'm not supposed to be here today, but here I am as, do you remember back in September when Sage said the UK could have 50,000 cases a day by October if there was no circuit break then? Well, unlike the government, COVID-19 is following the science and has decided to really overachieve. As a result, England is now going into a month-long national knockdown from Thursday because it could have been just two weeks long if it had happened a month ago, but this government just want the best for the public, so preferred you all got 50% extra house arrest absolutely free. This is one of the many endless problems of having people in charge who are reactive rather than proactive. I mean, the Prime Minister and what if Orinoco Womble was a cunt? Boris Johnson is the sort of person who'd never fill up with petrol at the beginning of a journey, but would prefer to run out of fuel in the middle of a busy motorway, abandon his vehicle and expect someone else will deal with it before waiting around, assuming he'll be given a new car within minutes because of the school he went to. No responsible Prime Minister could ignore the message from those figures, said Johnson, at a press conference he called and then was several hours late for, presumably because Sage had recommended it happen at a much earlier time. We've got to be humble in the face of nature, he announced, while probably reflecting inside on how sad it'll be to cancel all those grouse hunts. The Prime Minister has never shown modesty when it comes to nature, which is why he's on a constant mission to populate the planet with his own offspring in the hope that they'll wipe out lesser beings like overprivileged grey squirrels. Grey squirrels, that is, who wouldn't bury any acorns ready for the winter, but would instead wait for winter to hit, claim that it had no idea it would happen again, even though it does every year, and then hope no one minded having to work extra hard for less food. Maybe what we have to realise is that on October the 14th, when Boris Johnson said he wanted to avoid the misery of a national lockdown, what he meant was that he'd largely be absent while everyone else suffered in one. According to the SAGE group, infection rates are now worse than the worst-case scenario, probably because the worst-case scenario included the deluded thinking that the government may have seen the worst-case scenario beforehand and thought, oh, we should try to make sure that doesn't happen. Instead, it was handed to a bunch of malevolent fuckwits who saw it either as a challenge they needed to rise to or a bunch of words that didn't say anything nice about them in it, so it wasn't worth reading. 
dog-chewed candle Michael Gove, who somehow managed to appear on TV the morning after Halloween instead of getting sucked back into the hellmouth with his fellow ghouls, insisted the situation has been worse than any of them expected. What did you expect Covid would do, Michael? Go in with lots of bravado, realise it was hard work and then give up trying halfway through? No, germs don't work like the government, even though they have many other comparable features, such as killing off the vulnerable, having no regard for people's needs and making you feel really sick. World's only successful brain transplant swap between a human and an old mop bucket, Nadine Dorries, said that only a crystal ball could have predicted the need for a second lockdown, and she would know as it takes one completely useless air-filled hoaxer's tool to no one. Fact is, if everyone else in the entire galaxy knew this would happen, saw the warnings, saw the results and already had it penciled in their diaries and were just waiting for the confirmation call, did the government really have no clue? Are they the sort of people who still exclaim surprise that it gets darker earlier now, like some sort of human goldfish? They admonished leader of the opposition and personified packing tape Keir Starmer back in October for suggesting a circuit break then and called him an opportunist, a description that does actually suit him in many circumstances. In this instance, though, even if Starmer was taking advantage of the situation, that's still better than a bunch of people who pretended not to know, or worse, actually don't realise that the situation is there in the first place. As I mentioned time and time again on this show... Is it malice or is it stupidity? Or maybe malicious stupidity or stupid malice? Is it a coincidence that the lockdown starts on Guy Fawkes night? Or is it so none of us notice that the government have already set fire to everything themselves? There are advantages for the government in delaying the lockdown till now. Uh, For a start, the furlough scheme has ended just before it will start up again, meaning several people will lose their jobs in the handful of days in between, a great way to save money for the Treasury. If all businesses could just fire everyone between November the 2nd and the 4th, then the government wouldn't have to pay out for anything and they'd have saved the economy for the four or five people who are still part of it. The furlough scheme, after the 4th of November, is now extended until December the 2nd, which is so kind of the Chancellor and man who in another life would definitely run one of those phone shops that sold toilet paper for 20 quid a roll in the first lockdown, Rishi Sunak, as that means he can make sure people lose their jobs just in time for the festive season. The most conservative way you could interpret the notion of a Christmas sack. Of course, we could still be in lockdown in December, as Michael Gove warned that could be the case. But he said, ministers are guided by the facts. You know, in the same way I'm guided by anything with Greg Wallace in it, by wanting nothing to do with it, so I'll avoid it at all costs. The first lockdown back in spring, which is hard to remember now, as it was about 200 years ago, was meant to only be a month, but then it lasted seven weeks. And this time, infections are higher than they were when we all shut ourselves away last time. Conservative MPs are absolutely livid with Johnson and outie belly button possessed by Satan, Ian Duncan Smith, claim that the government has given in to science by having a lockdown. I mean, it hasn't, though we wish it has. But it's not really a bad thing when the person who wouldn't believe anyone's medical disability assessment was correct is complaining about science again. I'm sure IDS thinks anyone who dies of Covid should just return to work and stop being so lazy. Schools, colleges, universities and childcare will remain open as if all the teachers die, then no one will be able to give history lessons in the future to tell kids how absolutely shit this government were. Self-employed support is being increased to where it should have already been, but now they don't have a choice. And Remembrance Sunday events can still happen, which is great, as that way people will pointlessly die due to shit leadership once again to allow us to have more Remembrance Sunday events remembering those who fell in 2020 on exactly the same date in the future, keeping tradition alive. Johnson told the Commons that he believes the virus could be defeated by spring, but he didn't say what year. And whatever happens, the current measurements will come to an end on December the 2nd. So, as the Prime Minister said on the weekend, Christmas is going to be different this year. Not least because the entire year has unfortunately been a season for giving, just barely from the government. 
In other news, the Equality and Human Rights Commission report on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party was released and concluded that the party's approach and leadership to tackling anti-Semitism was insufficient, which is inexcusable and, of course, unhelpful for voters who would find it very tricky to distinguish between them and the Conservatives. The report found three breaches of the Act. One was harassment, particularly in the cases of two individuals, including former Mayor of London and generic anime old man Ken Livingston, as well as a local councillor. Livingston said he was deeply hurt by the accusations, calling himself a lifelong anti-racist, which could be the problem if you think everyone else in the world is Hitler and you want to fight all of them. Another was a failure to provide adequate training to those dealing with anti-Semitism complaints, with one example being an email inbox left unmonitored for many years, meaning those people hadn't even been trained to use email. Who were they? Someone's parents? If only everyone who'd complained had sent in a letter, and then former leader and dusting glove Jeremy Corbyn would have read each of them out at PMQs as a question. The third breach was evidence of political interference in anti-Semitism complaints, even though the report shows much of the interference was to speed up the procedure so cases could be dealt with more quickly. As we all know, though, the real way to tackle racism is just to abstain from dealing with it, which is why Labour under Keir Starmer will be doing things properly from now on. Corbyn posted a response to the report with the sort of speed I only ever send regretful email replies at, and anyone with an ability to read the room might have quickly sent a follow-up saying, sorry, I sent that to the wrong person, please delete. Corbyn's statement said that one anti-Semite is one too many in the party, but also said that the scale of the problem was dramatically overstated for political reasons by their opponents inside and outside the party. That caused Keir Starmer to immediately agree with Corbyn by suspending him from the Labour Party for saying such things, breaching Article 10 of the EHRC report about protecting freedom from speech unless it's unlawful. So, if anything, Starmer was quite clever in adding to the cases of harassment the report now has evidence for, and therefore immediately adding to the scale of the problem and proving Corbyn wrong. Ultimately, the report allowed everyone to believe that whatever they thought was or wasn't the problem was or wasn't, and whoever they thought was or wasn't responsible was or wasn't, and the new Labour Party under Starmer will no doubt fix everything by saying that they will very loudly, while allowing racist Conservative policies to pass, and providing proper equality in their party by ignoring all forms of racism to absolutely everyone. At the beginning of the week, Keir Starmer was involved in a road collision between his car and a cyclist, presumably because the Labour leader refuses to let anything pass on the left of him. After hearing about the tragic deaths of four refugees who are trying to cross the channel, including two children, Home Secretary and Nurse Ratched smirking bitmoji, Pretty Patel, made a statement expressing how saddened she was by the loss of life, because she probably has that ready in autofill so she doesn't have time to think about it, and that she will do everything she can to stop callous criminals exploiting vulnerable people. So I assume that means she'll be resigning fairly soon. And the Department of International Trade caused a stir, Fry, by tweeting during... Yeah, I said it, I'm really sorry. By tweeting during a specific challenge on Channel 4's British Bake Off about how their deal with Japan will make soy sauce cheaper, something that isn't true unless they mean cheaper than how much more expensive it might have been outside the EU and on WTO arrangements. Still, there's only one group to blame, and that's the Ramanas. The Ramanas were better in text. Oh, and an error with the NHS app has meant thousands of people were completely unaware that they were exposed to COVID, meaning that the only thing it really did was send you lots of anxiety causing false alarms, while never actually informing you about real issues. Seems the government paid £12 billion for an app that operates in exactly the same way they do. And lastly, exception to the rule that everyone has some good in them somewhere, Nigel Farage, is rebranding the Brexit party as the Reform Party, because it's easier to steal money from people if you wear a fake moustache when you try it a second time. The name Reform is in reference to how Farage is happy to be whatever shape he thinks will get votes, something that's possible on account of his pretend human form being an entirely malleable, inconsistent substance. 
Yeah, I know I said I wouldn't do an episode this week because of the US election, but too much has happened. Let's face it. I mean, we knew we knew it would. I'm both very angry about a lockdown and I think it's necessary, which I think are two valid standpoints you can have all at once, like a nuanced legend. Um, similarly, I'm worried about those in education that are still having to work without correct PPE and protection. But at the same time, I'm so, so pleased my daughter's nursery is staying open and I think it might help me survive this next month. Nuanced champion! Um... I hope you and yours are coping with another month of pretending we're General Pinochet but in a more shit house, and at least Margaret Thatcher won't visit this time. Um, Pinochet is always my go-to awful dictator who's put under house arrest when such references are needed. You've got to have one, haven't you? got to have one. Uh, my mum, dad and brother have all had COVID over the past two weeks now, uh, which has been horrible. Um, weirdly, my brother, only 35, was hit the worst uh, with proper breathing difficulties and stuff. But we were worried about my parents because um, we thought, well, he's young, he'll be all right. Uh, very worried about my parents. And then my mum just... Just sort of felt knackered and my dad didn't even get a positive test reading and felt okay but a bit achy it's really bonkers how it works isn't it um or maybe my dad's a secret cure and i should shop him into scientists till they try and kidnap him like they do with et or something who knows maybe maybe that's what's needed um anyway yeah been a very stressful few weeks uh followed by the absolute fun of the last few gigs in my diary that had started to pop up again all now disappearing again because of lockdown um i've started to just give up on the idea of comedy till next spring even the job's website indeed emailed me uh, yesterday with suitable jobs for me and the top one was prison warden uh, which you promoted by saying whether you're a parent teacher have worked in retail or the armed forces you'll have developed the empathy self-confidence and great communication skills we expect what does that mean uh, that those are all jobs where you work with people you wish were locked up and have stopped caring about them um, as a parent i've definitely gained the emotions to want to put my daughter in a room close the door and leave her there for a while occasionally pushing food uh, underneath when necessary um although i do reckon even in a prison cell she'd manage to break something at least as a prison officer i'd spend lockdown actually getting paid to ensure other people don't go out which definitely seems better than my current situation so maybe i should look into it um but look uh, this is just a mini sewed uh, with that there intro and following this bit is a tiny bit on the ehrc report which i didn't want to do but i'm gonna and someone's gonna be annoyed with it someone one of you will be um that's just how it works, isn't it? Um, then there'll be a post-US election mini so too, probably on Wednesday. Depends what happens, maybe on Thursday. And then back to normal or new normal next week, hopefully, because let's face it, what else do I have to do right now? Absolutely fuck all. Um, so very quickly uh, big time thanks to Sam Kofi supporter Tim Christine Kofi supporter again but I think a different one Kofi supporter the third Steve Anne-Marie Keeley and John for donating to the Kofi account and again if you enjoy the show and can donate even the price of one coffee from back in the days when you could go out and buy a coffee um, then it is unbelievably appreciated right now uh, as the government has decided to be very unhospitable to hospitality yet again I mean I say that the SEISS payments have just been increased which is a bit of a godsend but it still doesn't quite replace uh, an income um, you can do that at ko-fi.com uh, forward slash bro, the patreon.com forward slash bro, or the ACAST supporter button that will be on this podcast page on the ACAST app and obviously if you can't do that um, then don't I'm at least getting some support somewhere and I know many aren't and I would hate to be what you spent money on instead of food family or the brand new Spider-Man game out in a few weeks you've got to have priorities got to um, but then in which case uh, if you can't then please give the show a nice five star review on any of those podcast apps or just shout about it to friends and family and all the people People you can't see until December. That's 2021, obviously. Oh, and if you listen to this before Tuesday, I'm doing a number of 
uh, popping up on Zoom things that are going on throughout the election nights. Probably not many. I'm going to be quite tired and I'm probably going to drink a lot of whiskey, but I think I'm going to be on Tom Tuck's one and the Social Distant Warriors one. I'm going to tweet about it lots. Have a look if you can be bothered. Right, uh, on with the mini-sode. And yeah, look, let's talk about Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Out. Do I want to talk about this? Nope. Do you want to listen to it? Unlikely. But here we are in a world where whatever you thought of the EHRC report into anti-Semitism in Labour, um, chances are you didn't read it because it was too long and you've already decided that it proves whatever it is you already wanted it to prove. Um, according to many newspapers that are all biased and people on social media who are all bots, it definitely said that Jeremy Corbyn hated all Jewish people. But according to websites that can't be trusted and other people on social media who are all bots, it said the exact opposite. So whatever I say in this bit, it's unlikely to change your opinion. But I did actually read the whole report because, well, I don't have any gigs to do anymore and I was procrastinating from some other unpaid work that I can't be bothered to do. So I thought it'd be useful to just straight up to tell you what it did say and what Corbyn's suspension from the Labour Party was meant to be all about. Okay, no, stop writing your angry email. This doesn't mean I hate Jewish people any more than I hate everyone else in the world. I hate all types of people very equally. They're all bastards and it's really time we were all extinct uh, as a species. Um, No, it doesn't also mean that I wish Jeremy Corbyn was fired into space, though I think that could result in amazing sci-fi, which you could call either Red Dwarf, uh, Star Trek Social Enterprise or maybe just Stop Wars. Um, nor am I going to bring up every occasion where someone said something or didn't do something or went somewhere that may have been problematic or was problematic by not being problematic when it should have been. Um, so instead, I'm just going to tell you what the report said and a teeny little bit of context for it. OK, cool. Cool. Now that's out of the way. Here are some things. The report itself said that the Labour Party are guilty of unlawful acts of harassment and intimidation in two instances and that it had breached the 2010 Equality Act by acts of indirect discrimination relating to political interference and a lack of adequate training. What does that mean? Uh, Well, the first one is obvious, isn't it? Uh, The harassment bit. There are two specific acts of harassment from Ken Livingston uh, when he said social media posts by MP Naz Shah weren't anti-Semitic and were part of a smear campaign by the Israel lobby. Uh, And the ECHR acknowledged both Article 10's right to free speech 
and the right for legitimate criticism of the policies of the Israeli government, but that Shah's post about relocating Israel to the US and being like Hitler were neither of those. And similarly, neither was Livingstone's, even though because someone mentioned Hitler, it was impossible for him not to leap up and say something. I honestly think it's like his trigger word that just sort of activates him into action like a kind of sleeper agent. If you'd seen the post, uh, this one was pretty obvious, uh, I guess. Um, The other act was Councillor Pam Bromley, who posted on social media that accusations of anti-Semitism were fake, among other comments in what is yet another example of why politicians shouldn't be allowed on social media, or given a job at all, or allowed outside. Anyway, long section of the report short, those were both rightly found to be bang out of order and clear examples of anti-Semitic conduct that made Jewish members and Jewish people in general feel unsafe and unwelcome to the party. The report also says uh, that they looked into a significant amount of other cases, 70, uh, between May 2016 and May 2019, but there wasn't enough evidence to prove the Labour Party was legally responsible for the conduct of those who made them. Uh, It was by ordinary members who the party aren't legally responsible for as they aren't employed by them, or that the conduct didn't outweigh the right to freedom of expression. So that's that bit. Two clear examples of anti-Semitism in Labour proving that there was some in the party and 68 other cases that didn't classify as such under the CECHR, EHRC, not European Court of Human Rights, the other one. the other. There's some letters there, they go together. Uh, there were also many cases of anti-Semitic social media posts that the report says Labour failed to investigate till mid-2018. And these are posts that party members liked or shared without commenting on, which meant that they weren't considered necessary to look at. But the party explained that they were unclear why that was ever a policy and changed it under the new General Secretary, Jenny Formby in 2018, once Ian McNichol left the post. The NEC set out a statement code of contact social media policy on the party's website, referring to all comments relating to race and religion. Even though, as I said, it should have just said no one should ever use social media and it would have fixed an awful lot of things. The breach to do with lack of adequate training is also fairly easy to understand, in that staff members weren't trained properly in how to deal with complaints of anti-Semitism or how to understand what comments were anti-Semitic. It was something the party discussed in 2016, but in true political party fashion, didn't really do anything about it till 2018, and even then appointed new NEC anti-Semitism panels, but didn't give them any training or educational workshops. To be fair, though, it does seem to be a current trend for those in political positions to have absolutely no experience or clue what those positions mean, so very in line with everyone else. The EHRC have said that Labour have six months to sort this out and then it won't be considered unlawful and gave a whole load of examples what they should do, which means it's likely Starm will make sure everyone does a 30-minute online training course like they did on Unconscious Bias and that'll tick a box for him and he can take the rest of the day off. Now, the last bit, the last breach, is basically about a real poor admin tip. The party were incredibly shit at dealing with anti-Semitism complaints up until 2018, which until then, they had an inbox that they never checked. And while I can relate to that in some ways, let me tell you, my Hotmail account has never led to racism, just a lot of sad sex bots and faraway princes wanting to send me cash, getting absolutely no response. There were no clear complaints or disciplinary procedure, and all of this led to massive delays in responding to accusations. In 23 of the 70 cases investigated by the EHRC, they found that Corbyn's personal team interfered with the complaint handling process, which is a full breach of procedure. However, it does acknowledge that in some of those cases, it was to speed up the process as the case was taking too long to investigate or disciplinary measures to be carried out. In one case, the E and there's an R and there's a C in there mentions that two members were suspended months after the party received complaints about them and without any new evidence available. So it was entirely due to social media pressure and perhaps they shouldn't have been suspended whatsoever. So that's a very quick summary and it's worth reading through yourself. It's not a tricky read. Um, Overall, they find all that stuff amounts to a failure of leadership from Jeremy Corbyn, but that there were improvements that took place, even if they weren't enough. They set out a whole ton of recommendations, none of which are for everyone to delete all their social media accounts. And I really, really feel they're missing a trick. 
Okay, so that's that. Except that it's worth looking at how party procedure is meant to have worked and where it didn't in order to put this whole report into context. For example, the leader of the opposition's office isn't meant to have anything to do with complaints and disciplinary procedures as that's up to the Labour Party Governance and Legal Unit, which is overseen by the General Secretary. This was, in the first of Corbyn's time as leader and up until 2018 when Jenny Formby took over, Ian McNichol, who according to the leaked Labour report that the E who are what's it, didn't accept for study in their report. And also, according to a book by Times journalist, Gabriel Pogrund and Patrick Maguire, really hated Jeremy Corbyn and went out of his way to fund opponents to the leadership and work to undermine it. Sam Matthews was one of the people in charge of the disputes team who headed up anti-Semitism complaints and later was one of the whistleblowers on BBC's panorama about anti-Semitism in Labour. And Matthew complained about inaction in dealing with complaints, while also being the very person who is completely inactive about dealing with the complaints, which is a sort of brilliant refusal of accountability that should really see him in government. Matthews has denied that that's true and blamed it on interference from the leader's office. But the um, report says that they only have evidence that the leader's office did that 23 times and mostly to speed things up, including in the case of Ken Livingstone. The report doesn't actually name Matthews at all or Ian McNichol even once. When Formby took over as General Secretary, Matthews and a number of other staff members resigned. And as the report states, that's when procedures started to improve, albeit not as much as they'd have wanted. It's also worth questioning if the mass amount of delays and backlog that was caused by an action may have made it harder to catch up with dealing with everything that the party wanted to but weren't able to, but it doesn't really say. The report also doesn't state who should have been in charge of the inbox of emails that wasn't uh, ever checked or name anyone that should have been accountable and does acknowledge that accusations of other forms of harassment may also have been ignored as a result of looking into this, but doesn't say to what extent. Also, by ignoring the leaked Labour report, it doesn't look at how members of other minority groups haven't had their complaints treated with the same level of seriousness. So, why was Jeremy Corbyn suspended from the Labour Party? Uh, well, Keir Starmer said it had nothing to do with the report, but more to do with Corbyn's statement after it was punished. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because I suppose Corbyn had to respond immediately, otherwise everyone would have said that he's not responding, and that's shameful. But then, as soon as he responded, everyone also said that was shameful. Maybe the trick was not responding quite as immediately as he did, like it was a jerk reaction that he'd maybe only spent about two seconds thought on. Um, in it, though, Corbyn condemned anti-Semitism, but also said the number of complaints had been exaggerated by political opponents. And while Captain Nuance, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that there are both issues with anti-Semitism in the party and it was used against Labour for political reasons, both inside and outside the party, and particularly by Tories who couldn't be bothered to deal with anti-Semitism in their own party at the same time, or Islamophobia, or so much of the racism that Boris Johnson spouts on a daily basis, like a bigoted tannoy funnel. The fact is, though, that Corbyn can't reliably say how many Labour members were the subject of an anti-Semitism case, as the leader's office wasn't meant to interfere, and the Labour Party uh, told the EHRC that it couldn't confirm cases until uh, the EHRC started recording them in 2018. But basically, even if Corbyn was wrong or right, which Angela Rayner has stated he was, saying it so quickly he probably wasn't that smarty pants to do. Also, though, by suspending him, the now General Secretary David Evans may have breached Article 10 of the EHRC report on the freedom of expression, and if Starmer did intervene, then it's yet another case of the Leader's Office interfering when it absolutely shouldn't be. So, uh, does that clear anything up? Unlikely. Will anything likely be fixed? Nope. Instead, what's happened is that the report has been reported as either proving everything or nothing, depending on who's saying it. When actually it's a little bit of both, while not reporting some things at all, despite how absolutely important they might be. 
The lack of inclusion of the leaked Labour report, which stated many examples of racism towards BAME Labour members, has now made many others feel unsafe and insecure in the party, as though their concerns are being completely ignored. And there's still very big questions as to why the EHRC won't investigate Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, despite repeated extreme examples. With everything, you have to remember that politics, political mechanisms and internal party bullshit makes everything much worse and shitter than it should be. And that's why, really, we should just scrap all the parties, fire everyone and start again with a bunch of people who aren't any sort of racist, don't own any property and have deleted all their social media accounts. And only then will it all be okay. Right, that's all for this mini-sode. Uh, mini-sode 2 will commence once the US has either descended into a post-Biden riot zone as Trump barricades himself into the White House and insists every ballot is fake, a post-Trump win second-term hellscape as Americans decide actually it's just best to eliminate humanity as soon as possible, or a post-Kanye win hellscape as it turns out everyone who voted for Trump and Biden was actually a hologram of Kim Kardashian's dad and so none of them actually count and Kanye wins with just 400 votes, all made by members of his wife's immediate family. If you can, please donate to the Kofi Patreon or ACAR supporter page, and I'll see you all later in the week. Good luck, America! Bye! Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.